You are listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray that this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, this should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. From Exodus 12, 1-42. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, Roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted. Its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel." On the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever, In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leaven, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. 
whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it into the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts and with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. <clears throat> At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, <clears throat> and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up and their clothes on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they asked, they, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept by the Lord, by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Well, thank you, uh, Celia. I know that was a long text. Uh, The Bible tells us to devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. And I hope for those who are watching, uh, you've seen us demonstrate that today. And uh, I'll actually be preaching today through chapter 13, verse 16. So uh, there's even more uh, verses that we did not uh, read just now. Uh, But for those who are joining us uh, and you haven't been keeping up with Renaissance lately, we're on a journey through the book of Exodus. And last week, Pastor Rob uh, preached through multiple chapters about uh, the different plagues of Egypt. And he taught about the first uh, nine plagues. And our text today leads us up to the 10th plague. This is the climax of the plagues. And here, woven into the narrative of the exodus of Egypt is these instructions that God gives for celebrations, for some holidays for the people. Talks about the institution of the Passover meal and the feast of unleavened bread. And God gave these things to the people to remind them of the exodus. We also have holidays in our culture that remind us of things. Uh, Just last weekend, we celebrated the 4th of July And uh, the 4th of July reminds us of our nation's independence. We also have things like Christmas that reminds us of uh, Jesus Christ's birth and Easter that reminds us of Jesus' death and resurrection. We also have foods that are a part of these traditions. I just saw last weekend there's more hot dogs consumed on the 4th of July than any other day in America. And um, while hot dogs have no significance uh, to our nation's independence, Uh, They're certainly good and uh, easy to eat. But for uh, the Israelites, they had these foods as part of their festivals to remind them of things, to teach them of these spiritual realities. They had these, uh, we we have the same thing in our holidays. Uh, We have traditions uh, at Christmas time. Maybe some of you and your families, you put out a nativity scene. And that's used for you as parents to teach your children about Christ's birth. Or maybe you have something like a Jesse tree at Christmas time. And so uh, the Israelites have food that reminded them of these spiritual lessons. And here on the table before me, you see some uh, visuals that were part of these feasts that the Israelites had. Uh, The first um, holiday feast that we see in the text in chapter 12 is the Passover meal, or as uh, Jews would say today, the Passover Seder. Uh, This holiday was the start of the Hebrew calendar. For us in our Western calendars, this would be at the beginning of April. And therefore, this meal, they would have a side of some unleavened bread and a side of some bitter herbs. And then for the main course of the meal, they would have uh, this roasted lamb. Uh, We broadcast our services from the Emmons house. And last weekend when I was here, uh, Daniel asked me, he said, hey, is there anything I can do to help you for your service, uh, for your preaching next week? And I said, yeah, well, I'm going to be preaching on the Passover. If you could roast a lamb for me, that would be great. And uh, actually, I saw in his eye, he kind of lit up a little bit. Daniel's been, uh, he just got a new grill, and he's been super excited about uh, smoking different things. Um, But I have to say, I come today, and there's no roasted lamb. Um... (laughs) So you'll just have to uh, pretend with me on that one. Um, But uh, there was also in uh, these holidays that God gave, he also gave the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so for a whole week, they should not eat any bread that has risen. 
So only flatbreads uh, like this cracker type thing that you see here. And these holidays and feasts were symbolic. God makes a connection between their bodies and their souls. And today in my lesson, I'm going to explore this connection. And we're also going to see some different ways that we can learn from it. And my main point of the lesson today is that God creates feasts as reminders of salvation. God creates feasts as reminders of salvation. Let's first uh, pick up the story where we left off last week in the narrative. Moses told Pharaoh, he said, hey, there's a judgment coming for not letting the people go to worship God. And here we see what this judgment is. It's the 10th plague. The angel of death passed through Egypt. And in all the homes, the firstborn son was killed. Look at what it says in chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. It says, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all of the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians and there was a great cry in Egypt. So imagine listening out your window and hearing screams from all over your neighborhood. He says, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord, as you have said. And take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. This was a tragic night for the Egyptians. But this was a night of freedom for the Israelites, who had spent years in very harsh slavery. We even remember back to the time when Pharaoh killed all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. But when Moses is writing this account for us, he doesn't start here with the narrative. He starts by explaining these feasts, this meal that's before me. And he told them, he says, hey, I want you to eat this meal with your suitcases packed next to the door and your walking shoes on and laced up, ready to go. But as we read this text, this is not just a meal a feast to nourish them for their long journey that lies ahead of them. There's something more that's going on here. He gives them very clear instructions about how to prepare this meal. We see in the instructions, he tells them to take a spotless lamb, a year old, and to kill the lamb and to drain its blood into a bowl. And so they would kill the lamb and they would, they would hold it up and they would drain all the blood into a bowl. Now, this isn't actual blood. This is just a, a bowl of wine to represent that. But they would have taken this blood, and then it says to take a bundle of hyssop, which would have been of like a wildflower that grew around them. And it said to take the hyssop and to dip it into the blood, and to take the blood then, and to put it on the doorpost of their house and across the top of the door. And so this... We see it later on in the scripture that uh, this process is repeated in the, in the book of Leviticus in their sacrifices. 
They're told there to kill a perfect animal, spotless animal, and to drain its blood and to take hyssop and to put the blood onto the altar with the hyssop. This is why in the book of uh, Psalms, when David is giving his famous confession that we often read in our services in Psalm 51, it goes on to later say in that Psalm, it says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. This is what it's talking about, the blood of the lamb. As we look at the scriptures, we see with God, there's something important about blood. In the book of Genesis, after uh, the flood, and God creates this new covenant with Noah, and he tells him that he's allowed to eat animals, but he says that they're forbidden to eat animals with blood still in it, because the blood represents the life of the animal. Listen to what he says here in this text about the blood. Chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. He says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Then he says this, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. He says that this blood will be a sign, a a demonstration for you. We've seen this language used previously in the scriptures. When God made his covenant with Noah that I just referenced just a second ago, it says that God put a rainbow in the sky as a sign, as a demonstration of that promise that God had made. We think about the covenant of Abraham that we've referenced oftentimes in this uh, series that we're doing. And after God made this relationship, this covenant with Abraham, he told him to circumcise himself and his sons as a sign, as a demonstration of that covenant relationship. We even saw previously as uh, God had called Moses and Aaron to go back to Egypt. He told him that to take Aaron's staff and to do these really cool, crazy things with the staff. And he says that the staff would be a sign, a a demonstration of God's power to Pharaoh. And here as he lays out the meal and he tells him to take the blood and to put it across the door, he says this blood is a sign. And so why? What's the point of all of this? Certainly God could have just skipped over their parts of the city as we saw in some of the other plagues that Pastor Rob taught about last week. There has to be some sort of purpose in the lamb and in the blood of the lamb. On chapter 6, verse 6, God is predicting the things that are about to come and he says this, he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And Pastor Rob taught this lesson. He said this was the first time that this word redeem is introduced in the Bible. And look what this passage says in chapter 13. Chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, it says this. God is telling Moses this. He says, and when in time to come, your sons ask you, what does this mean? What does this meal mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man 
and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And the events of this text, God is establishing this idea of redemption, that the life of one redeems or buys back the life of another. There's a price that is paid for one to be delivered. And that night, in all the houses throughout Egypt, someone is dead, their firstborn son, and for the Hebrews, there's also death in their homes. But it's the death of the lamb. And by putting the blood on the door of their house, the people are showing their trust in God. It says of this in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, the people put the blood on the door of their house. This faith is not just an idea that you have inside, it's demonstrated in our actions. This blood served as a sign between God and the people that they would be spared from judgment. But before the Passover plague happened, God gave the commands to the people through Moses for this holiday, for this feast. And he said, every year I want you all to celebrate this holiday and I want you to eat the roasted lamb and the sides of unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And he said this holiday should be a celebration for you of your freedom, of him saving you. He says this in chapter 12, verse 14. He says, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. He said, this meal serves as a memorial for you. We've seen this phrase previously in our study of Exodus in chapter three. When God is saying he's the I am, he says, my name will be a memorial for you. And now in chapter 12, he's saying that this feast is a memorial for you. God is telling us, hey, I want you to remember who I am and I want you to remember what I've done for you. Later on in chapter 12, verses 24 through 27, he says this. He says, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. Listen to this, parents, right here. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he has passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. He says that this meal serves as a, a physical meal that teaches your children of his spiritual salvation that takes place. We also see another holiday Oftentimes they're uh, rolled into one holiday, but as we read the text, we see that they're actually two separate holidays. Chapter 12, verse 17, he says this, and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day, I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. 
And he says for seven days they should keep this feast of unleavened bread. And then he goes on to say this in verse 20. He says, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Leaven was uh, something that you put into bread, something you add in to make it rise. For those of you who make bread, that could be yeast or baking powder or baking soda. But the idea is that you just put in just a little bit and it spreads throughout your dough. And it creates this chemical reaction that causes air to come into your dough and makes your dough rise. I remember when we were reading through the book of Exodus with uh, some of the guys in my Bible study, I remember one of the guys said, hey, and what does God have against leaven? We see here in chapter 12, uh, verse 39, it says this, and they baked unleavened cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. They left that night before they had time for their bread to rise. They had to make their bread very quickly as they were about to leave Egypt. It was a to-go meal for them. He says, hey, every time you eat this unleavened bread, may it remind you of how fast you had to leave Egypt. It'd be something like this. Say uh, you were lost in the woods on a, a backpacking trip, but you survived in the woods for a week off catching fish. And so in the future, uh, once a year, you eat fish for seven days to remind yourself of how you almost died in the woods. That's the exact same idea of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so in these verses, God instituted the Passover meal and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And he wove these two holidays into the narrative story so that future generations would have physical representations to remind them of his salvation. There's a few other really cool things that happened in the events of that night. Not only did God save his people, but he also demonstrated his goodness in fulfilling his promises to the patriarch Abraham. The first of these is uh, God had promised to Abraham that when he delivered his descendants from their bondage, that they would come out with great possessions. It says in chapter 12, verses 35 and 36, it says, the people of Israel had also done as Moses had told them, for they had asked Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Imagine walking to your neighbor's house and knocking on their door and asking them for whatever you wanted. That's exactly what's happening here. And the funny thing is they go on this journey and they don't have much to eat, but their bags are loaded down with gold and silver. There's another one of God's promises to Abraham that was fulfilled here. The promise that God would make them into a great nation. Look what it says in verse 37. It says, And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. If you remember that about 400 years ago, there were 70 of the Hebrew people that came into Egypt. And here they are many years later and there's thousands coming out. And the last of God's promises to Abraham that we see fulfilled is that 
Abraham's descendants would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Look at what it says in verse 38. And they baked, uh, let's see, 38. And a mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. It says a mixed multitude. It means there was other ethnicities besides the Hebrew people. It was truly anyone who trusted in the blood of the spotless lamb that was saved. It goes on to say this of, of this mixed multitude, these outsiders. In verse 48, it says, If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. These others are welcomed into the family of God, but there's something they must do first to join. They must be circumcised. And so how do these scriptures connect to the rest of the Bible? And what's the application for our lives? What do we learn from the Passover meal and the Feast of Unleavened Bread? I've got four different lessons for you. You'll see them on your screen. The first is that we are redeemed by the blood. We are redeemed by the blood. Soon we will see later in Exodus that uh, the creation of the sacrificial system. And they're told there to kill a lamb and to use its blood on the altar. But the idea is even bigger than this. We see later the prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 53. He's, he's making a connection between the Messiah and the lamb. And notice as you read this text, the third person singular that is used, he and him, says this, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And then we fast forward in our Bibles, a few hundred years after that prophecy, to the time of Jesus. We see this in the book of John. It says, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Listen, on the cross, Jesus became the spotless Lamb whose blood was spilled to redeem us. Ephesians says this, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Jesus' death paid the price so that we would be delivered. Oh, but just as the Passover was a demonstration of great salvation, it was also a demonstration of great judgment all the homes of Egypt, those who did not have the blood on their doors, there was death and there was crying. And just like Moses, who warned the Egyptians over and over and over of the coming judgment, 
Jesus came with similar warnings. From the very beginning of his ministry, he calls out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Goes on to say, be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour that you don't expect it. He warned them, he says, those that are not in him will be cast into eternal punishment where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. And I'm sure that there are some of you who are listening out there that are like the Egyptians. And you're on the outside of the people of God. But today you have heard the warnings but you have also heard about how you can be saved by the blood of the lamb. And I call on you today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like Pharaoh. Would you trust in Jesus? Would you allow him to redeem your life? And just like that mixed multitude who came out with the Exodus, once you are saved, there's something you must do to be a part of the people of God. Jesus called on us to be baptized as a demonstration of our faith in the blood of the Lamb. Then once we are redeemed by the blood, we should second, avoid the leaven. We should avoid the leaven. In the coming weeks as we go through the book of Exodus, we'll see that now that God has saved the Israelites, he calls them to be set apart as a holy people. And now that we as Christians have been redeemed by the lamb, we're called to do the same. The Bible goes on to talk about leaven as something that should be avoided. It becomes a symbol of wickedness and evil. If you'd like to do some further study this week, I encourage you just to do a word study on the book of Levin throughout the New Testament. But I'll just give you one of the examples in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that's very clear about the things that we're talking about today. And the church at Corinth, they're, they're bragging about how they're very tolerant, while others in their church are, are living lives that very much dishonor God. And Paul is writing to them as a correction in, in chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. This is a passage that James read earlier. It says this, Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul is saying this. He says, now that you are a new batch of bread, don't add back in the old leaven. Say, hey, now that you've been saved by the blood of the lamb, you should be holy people. Get rid of the former wicked actions that, that spread and destroy us. The next lesson that we see from this events of the Passover and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread is that we should eat the meal. We should eat the meal. Listen, 
God still desires for us to have a meal that reminds us of his salvation. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Open up with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 7 and 8. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that you may eat it. He sends off two of his followers to prepare this very meal that you see before me. And what we call the Last Supper is Jesus eating this meal with his twelve on the night that he was betrayed, before he was crucified. And he tells us that this meal serves as a, a spiritual lesson. Look what Jesus says in verse 19. He says, and then he took the bread and, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He says remembrance. Just as the Passover meal and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were a memorial of how God saved in Egypt, this Last Supper is a memorial of how Jesus saved at the cross. Oh, and Christians, just like the Hebrews, when our children are watching us take this in our church gatherings and they ask us, why do you do this? It is a teaching moment for us to proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. And then in the same way, Jesus took a cup of wine and Jesus held up the cup of wine and he says this in verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Just like the blood on the door is a sign, this cup is the sign of the new agreement that we have with God, that we are forgiven because of the price that Jesus paid. And this meal this is our celebration, our memorial to Christ. And we should take it with a mind that remembers and with hearts that are filled with joy. And the last lesson that we learned from this text is that we should praise the lamb. We should praise the lamb. Here in just a minute in our service, uh, we're gonna read another text from the book of Revelation and we're gonna see that all of heaven is praising the lamb who was slain. And for those of us who are in Christ, this is what we will do for all eternity. We will get to do that just now. Practice that. Join in heaven with all of these praises. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your salvation.